0: Good morning, afternoon, evening, and welcome to the 8311cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersh, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk about college football, the NFL, the MLB, and of course, our signature statements, your weekly turtle tab, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions here on episode 142. Did you know that if a quarterback... Throws the ball into the ground, a.k.a. spikes the ball, on every single play. Their passer rating is going to wind up being 39.6. Passer rating is a predetermined form of the NFL, of course. Uh, Aaron Rodgers' Week 1 passer rating was 32.8. He would have fared better hucking the ball under the dirt on every single play uh, rather than doing what
1: he did in the
0: Packers game.
1: Fun fact. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Obviously... Uh, that's, that's not a stat that bodes well for Packers fans or for Aaron Rodgers fans out there. Uh, but speaking of fans that didn't fare very well this week, um, that would be all of Cyclone Nation. Mike, do you, do you want to start us off with some of your thoughts from this past weekend?
2: I mean, my first thought is that that defense, Cyclone defense looked really good. I'm gonna start with the, the, the way of hope there, right? Iowa had less than 200 yards of offense for the entire game, despite that victory that they had, right? So the defense did its job. Iowa had negative six total yards of offense in the third quarter. They still managed to score 10 points, which is a completely different problem, which we'll get into later. But the first thing I wanted to highlight was that defense. They did a very good job. The defense definitely played well enough to win that game. The offense, of course, a completely different story, but the defense definitely played well enough to win that game.
1: And Um, with with defense, uh, I just want to add in here, Will McDonald uh, played very well, especially early on in this game, played very well. Uh, He added another sack and a half to his career total. Um, So he was was able to get some pressure, but it kind of, Disappeared towards the end of the game, um, as well. The defense was the defensive line was rocking at the beginning of the game.
2: Iowa was running the ball most of the second half, so there weren't many sack opportunities.
1: Well, speaking of running the ball, I mean, the defense, like, like you were saying, defense played well. They only gave up 55 rushing yards on 21 attempts, which is not much over two yards per carry. Uh, attempt and that is like you if you see that stat normally you're like wow they shut them down and if they didn't do much passing the ball just based on those statistics you would think that we had a very good shot at winning this game but honestly after at the end of the first half uh you know going into the third quarter it really didn't seem like we had much of a chance. At the end of the first half, we had glimmering hope, but then the third quarter was just an absolute train wreck.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you, I mean, was taking the ball over four times in that game. That is not a recipe for success in any football game, especially a football team game as disciplined as Iowa. Iowa only took one penalty the entire game, and it was on purpose, a delay of game, to set up their punter better. I mean, so that wasn't good. Uh, for Iowa State either. They took, Iowa State took a lot more penalties, not as many as the Vikings took on Sunday, but still, uh, still quite a few uh, penalties there for Iowa State. Um, Brock Purdy actually ended up getting benched in the fourth quarter of that game. He got replaced by uh, Hunter Deckers um, in a game that was not over. Like that game was not, uh, not completely over by any means when he uh, got benched. So I mean, Matt Campbell has said it was just temporary that Brock Purdy will be the starter next week against UNLV, but that to me was significant. Starting quarterback and starting punter, uh, Dunn also got benched and replaced for the last two punts of the game. Um, So a couple things, of course, to look at as, uh, as we keep going here, but overall not good. I don't have much more to say about that than that they just didn't play well. They just didn't. You can't turn the ball over that many times. You can't be that anemic on offense. You just you just can't.
1: Well, and and I mean, one thing that didn't help was some of the bricks that our wide receivers had for hands this weekend as well. Um, I mean, one of those one of those three interceptions was not Brock Purdy's fault. Mike and I agreed on that at the time. That was completely Xavier Hutchinson's fault. He let the ball slide right through his hands. There, there was another time where I mean, ball thrown over the middle could have been picked again, but wasn't because it went right off the hands of Xavier Hutchinson, a guy who is a second team, uh, big 12, like all big 12 players last year as a receiver looked flustered in this game. I would say um, Brock Purdy didn't look comfortable at all. I would say that the offensive line didn't play great again. And that was one of the things that we had talked about coming into this this season was linebackers and offensive line would have should be the units that carry this team and be and set the tone for this both defense and offense and the linebackers are there but the offensive line is not even close to being there I would say I I thought the offensive line with all the injuries we had last year was better arguably better than this the offensive line this year with some of our returning uh, key players that we had. So it's, it's just very disappointing the product that seemed to be put out on the field this week. Um, and Matt Campbell for, for all the success that he's had, he just can't surmount that Cyhawk victory victory um, and get that first one under his belt. Uh, so it, it's just another year of, I would say disappointment again, and maybe, maybe they'll give it another go next year, but well, not maybe we will be playing Iowa next year, but maybe, maybe we'll have a better chance of beating them next year. I don't know.
2: Yeah. But what I want to do is I want to take a step back and look at big picture for this year. So I know there's a lot of the national media that's saying Iowa States through, they were completely overrated. This team isn't good. Etc. cetera, Etc. cetera, et cetera. Um, were they slightly overrated? Maybe. We'll see. There's still a lot of football left to be played. But let's look big picture. Did this change the Cyclones' ability to win the Big 12 championship? No, it didn't. It's not a conference game, right? Iowa State can still easily go win this Big 12 championship because this was not a conference loss, and non-conference record has no effect on the conference standings. So – there's that. So big picture, big 12 title hopes, still completely intact. Obviously, the team's going to have to play better if they're going to get there. You can't play like you did against Iowa if you want to get there. But still intact, the championship dreams. And also, if you win out, you're still in the college football playoff, right? Iowa is obviously very good. They have two wins over two top 20 teams. Or I guess Indiana's now, what, like number 31 or something. Anyway, two very good teams. Two wins against two very good teams to start the year. Iowa's now ranked number five in the AP poll. A loss to a team that is good as Iowa's going to be this year is not going to hurt your resume come um, come college football playoff time. Now, they probably can't lose again if they want to make the college football playoff. So, I mean, yes, their odds of making it did go down because you lost. But this loss by no means eliminates Iowa State from the college football playoff discussion. You've obviously got to play better. But big picture, it doesn't hurt you that much. You can still get to where you wanted to be this year. You still control your own destiny. So go do it. That's sort of where I'm at. You can still go do it. Big picture, play better though. Can't play that bad on offense if you want to want to go places. Oklahoma's uh, defense or offense. Oh, sorry, Oklahoma's defense will not let you play that bad if you want to beat them.
1: Well, in I would say out of the the top teams in the Big 12 Oklahoma arguably has the worst defense of all the top teams. I think this defense for this the Cyclones program is a Big 12 championship caliber defense. It is. If if they're able to hold teams yeah, to to not many yards, we have shown that we have an ability to have a some sort of disruptive pass rush. We have great linebackers. Aishim Young played fantastic, I felt like, in this game. Um, th- there are some core pieces that are really, really good that can lead this team to a Big 12 championship. And, and I would say it's, it might be the best defense in the league. But your offense can't be anemic and expect your defense to win every single game. You can't, you can't think that Spencer Rattler is going to throw gift you four or five interceptions in a football game for you to win. It just won't happen. And you also can't take the football away and not do anything with it. The points off turnover is what is what hurt Iowa State the most and the gifting of field position. I, I mean, 10 points the Hawkeyes scored on negative six yards in the third quarter. The defense played well, but you gifted them plus field position and gave them free points. And Iowa was able to capitalize, and that was something that Iowa State didn't force any turnovers and wasn't able to capitalize on any field position the entire game and it just felt like that entire first half Iowa State was behind the eight ball in field position because Iowa actually has a respectable special teams unit.
2: <laughs> yeah, Iowa State got dominated in special teams this game too. Iowa's punter was pinning the Cyclones deep every time. Iowa State's or Iowa's kicker hit a long field goal. Iowa State's punt returner Looked awful, right? You had just forced Iowa into a fourth and long, and they punted. And then for some reason, was that Mil- I think it was Milton returning that punt, lets it bounce. If he just fair catches that, it's Iowa State's ball, basically midfield, in a good position to drive down and get points. let lets it bounce, and it takes a 25 yard Iowa bounce. Iowa State proceeds to go negative 15 yards on the drive, punt it. Have actually a good punt have Iowa state's returner wrapped up at the 30, let them go free for 25 yards. And all of a sudden Iowa's in plus field position. Like the special teams were just embarrassing for Iowa state. And it's been a recurring problem. And I'm not sure how you fix it. We just got dominated in special teams as well.
1: Might I suggest we hire a, a special teams coordinator? I mean, I, it's something that we talked about last, last year too. And I think the year before, and m- maybe even the year before, like, how many seasons do we have to go with an inept special teams unit for us to finally realize that, Hey, maybe we need someone dedicated to helping them get better every single week rather than just kind of being like, ah, defense, great offense. You're looking fine. We'll just throw that product out on the field, like splatter paint, just let it go. it, it just doesn't, it hasn't worked. It won't work. Um, and it's just something that's just going to, every time I felt like we were on special teams or a special teams unit was out there, the entire stadium was holding its breath, just waiting for what's going to happen. Cause you never know. And and I mean, there were a bunch of missed tackles too on on punt returns. I don't know when that was third quarter, maybe it it felt like it was a great punt and it was a pretty good punt it but two broken tackles and Iowa ends up returning it into plus territory and that just doesn't help you either when your defense is already behind the eight ball so i i mean you just you just got to play play more sound in in times like that sound tackling keep them from big big play returns and changing momentum like that
2: yeah There's a lot to improve on, but luckily for the Cyclones, they're going to have an opportunity to do that. Um, UNLV, who they play next week, is very, very, very bad. Um, Despite how Iowa State looked last week, they are 30-point favorites at UNLV next week. Um, So you'll have some time to get right. Um, Brock Purdy is going to start again, Matt Campbell has said. We'll have to see how this team looks. I mean, you won't learn much against a bad team like this, but hopefully it's a get-right game before you come into conference. It's a nine thirty game on Saturday against UNLV, a game that hopefully the Cyclones will dominate. That's the goal. Just dominate that game. Right. I don't have any more analysis than that. When you're 30-point favorites, just go out there and kick their butts. I don't want this to be close. Just go yeah. kick their butts.
1: This can't be a 16-10 to 10 game again. You You have to beat them soundly. And, and I think it's an, it's an opportunity that you need to try different things too, try things, see how they work. It is basically like a practice, but don't treat it just as a practice. Otherwise you might lose. Uh, But it's basically a practice getting ready for conference season. And then you can look forward to, you know, getting off on the right foot with games against KU and Baylor uh, to start conference. So yeah, that's that. Uh, and we'll get on with it. Speaking of the Big Twelve Conference, um, the all four members that were extended offers are are go: BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. Uh, the Big Twelve, the current Big Twelve commissioner and commissioner and presidents, all voted unanimously to extend them offers. They also accepted those offers unanimously as well. Um, so it is. It is a full go, uh, and as early as 2023, the conference could see uh, either 11 teams or it could see 14 teams uh, for a period of two seasons, maybe, or maybe just one season. Uh, So then you have the conference, a little bit of conference realignment until OU and Texas leave. But for sure, all four Incoming members will be coming to the big 12 by 2024. Uh, Speaking of all four incoming members, uh, they all won in football this weekend. So, you know, it could be, could become a little bit more of a gauntlet to get through the football schedule. Who knows how much of a powerhouse Houston uh, and UCF will continue to stay. Cincinnati has been up there uh, for quite a few years now in a row and BYU was very good last season, uh, and they look to be maybe maybe a 500 to a, to a plus 500 team uh, this season as well. Um, over on the the hardwood uh, side of things in basketball, this conference stays very very good in basketball. Just another thing to look forward to. The other big money making uh, option in the conference, um, according to Ken Palm. Uh, he did a ranking of old versus new, uh, between the old conference members and now the incoming new conference members with OU and Texas subtracted, uh, their old rank, big 12 was ranked first overall. Uh, and it's the average rating of conference teams since 2014 based on current membership and then future membership. So conference rating, how tough it is to play in the conference, uh, before the big 12 was had an average rating of 16.8 with the next closest being the big 10 at 15.2. Uh, their new ranking is also first. They're still slightly ahead of the big 10. Um, their new ranking is 15.4, uh, and the big, big tens ranking stays at 15.2. Um, so This conference should be very good at basketball as well. It could be even tougher uh, to get through the season. So a lot of exciting things ahead. I'm just glad to see that the Big 12 Conference as a whole is staying together uh, with some, obviously, a lot of the old faces and then a lot of new faces as well.
2: Yeah, that that is good to see. So now you can put away your realignment for the year. I'm saying it again. Put away the realignment for the year. Now it's done. I'm going to probably eat my words two weeks from now. I'm saying it again, it's done. What's not done, of course, is the NFL season. It is just underway this week. Um, As they usually are in week one, there's a lot of surprises because in the NFL, a lot of things can change from year to year. That's why a lot of people like the NFL because a lot can change from year to year. Um, We'll share some of our biggest takeaways um, from the week. My biggest takeaway, the NFC North looks really bad. The Vikings embarrassed themselves in Cincinnati despite taking that game to overtime. They committed 13 penalties in the first half. Only 10 of them were accepted, but still. 13 penalties in the first half. And they Um,
1: fumbled the game away, too. Yep,
2: they had the ball almost in field goal range with less than two minutes left in overtime and proceeded to fumble on a close call. I thought he was down, but... I also didn't disagree with saying call stands on that play. I didn't think there was enough to overturn it. Um, I was not upset by the call. So I think the officials did a fine job there. Um, uh, we already talked about how bad Aaron Rodgers looked as the Packers got destroyed by the Saints. The Bears and Lions also did not look particularly good. The Vikings are in first place in the division at 0-1. I would just like to point that out. 0 first place. Let's go. Um. Yeah. So that's my biggest takeaway is that, uh, is that uh, the Vikings or the NFC North in general did not look good. Anybody else got takeaways from Week One?
1: Uh, I would say that uh, maybe one of my biggest surprises of the weekend was how dominant the Arizona Cardinals looked over the Tennessee Titans. This is a Tennessee Titans team this that was expected to maybe be ten and seven this year and win their division or eleven and six somewhere in there. Uh, they looked pretty bad. Um, and another takeaway that I had was this Cleveland Browns team is going to be very, very, very good. They, In all reality, they should have won that game. They have, they have the team that's built to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. Top two offensive line in the league. Top five rushing attack in the league. Great defensive line, especially edge rushers. Uh, Miles Garrett and Jadeveon Clowney were causing havoc all game. But in the end, they had a it, it was like a dagger when the Chiefs hit that seventy-five yard touchdown reception and kind of got back into the game. And then the Browns looked a little bit flustered. Baker Mayfield, quite not having you know that experience that uh, you know the the wherewithal to continue leading his team to victory. And I felt like they got away from play calls that were helping them a lot in the first half. But, yeah, that Cleveland Browns team is, I would say, they're going to win the a- the AFC North. Um, another surprise that I had was, <clears throat> what happened to the Buffalo Bills? Like, up 10 to nothing against the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers looked anemic on offense. Ben Roethlisberger looked terrible. But, of course, he still has to get into full season conditioning shapes when he comes in 450 pounds looking like a chubby bunny. Uh it, without having any off-season athleticism at all. So then the Pittsburgh Steelers come back and win that game. Uh, I mean, panic all you want, Buffalo Bills fans. Don't do that yet. You're still going to win your division easily. But that was that was a surprising loss, especially for a Pittsburgh Steelers team that I thought would be a 500 team this year, or around 500. You can't be 8-8 eight and eight anymore. Um, so... That was a big surprise, and then I would say the last one was Dak Prescott looks looks healthy. That first game of the season was that was a great game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, it took the referees bailing Tom Brady out again uh, in order to uh, win that game for Tampa Bay. A blatant, I thought it was an off OPI, but you know when I'm sitting on the couch watching the game, it's a little different than what they're seeing in. You know, I didn't take into account how much money they're being paid as well. So uh it is what it is, but Dak Prescott looked very good in that game. I mean, heck, Dak Prescott threw the ball 58 times. He was 42 of 58 for 403 yards with three touchdowns and one interception. So he looked very good. That that offense looks like it could be very good. It's just to to see if that defense will be anything noteworthy to keep them in ball games. So yeah, that's a rundown. NFC North has got some work to do. Could be a could be anyone's year <clears throat> except for the Lions.
2: I mean heck, they didn't look any worse than anybody else in that division, so who knows? Who knows? A lot to figure out in that division. Um there's still a lot to figure out in baseball as well with uh 17 days remaining in the season. Um basically all the divisions are decided. Um only really the NL West is left to be decided between um The Dodgers and the Giants. The Giants have a slight lead, but not uh, unovercomable by the Dodgers. So that's the only division left to be decided. Whoever loses that is for sure the top wild card.
1: Well, I mean, so technically the NL East is also not decided with the Philadelphia Phillies and New York Mets, both within five games, but... Both teams have been either 500 or sub 500 in the past in the last 10. So it's not like they're helping their own cause.
2: Yeah. Atlanta has got a decent lead in that division. I'm assuming they're going to win it. They'd be tough to lose that with uh, 17 games remaining, but we'll see. Um, the wild cards, though, are definitely where the excitement is. Um, in the American League, after the Yankees went on their uh, hot stretch there in August, um, they've been just as cold. Um, Now recently, as they were hot, um, the Yankees have lost now um, eight out of their last ten and have fallen now um, out a half a game behind the Red Sox for the second wild card. This is where Toronto has won nine out of ten to vault all the way into that first wild card position. So right now it's Toronto and Boston in the two AL wild cards. With the Yankees half a game back and Oakland and Seattle still three games back, nipping at their heels. So you basically got a five team race for two spots there in the American League. And in the National League, um, like I said, the loser of the NL West has the number one wild card locked up. Um, but then San Diego and Cincinnati are tied for that second wild card with St. Louis a game back, Philly two and a half back, and the Mets three back. So. There you've got five teams competing for one spot um, for that wild card. So those are the wild card races to keep track of. Um, everyone in the NL is, was just sort of spinning their wheels this week. Nobody was over 500 in their last 10 games there in the NL wild card. Um, so just keep an eye on it. So much fun baseball to have. Keep an eye on the baseball. The last 17 it could be fun. Um, what hasn't been fun is Willenza's play playtime. He only played in one game since we last talked, so not much exciting. Um, I mean let's let, let's have a dose of honesty here. He's getting cut this off season. There's no way he ends up on this on this uh, Twins roster um, come next year. So enjoy it well last baseball fans. He's getting cut for ne- cut from the Twins this off season. We'll see what happens next year where he might end up, but it won't be on the Twins. So
1: that was a. Uh, I mean, that was a pretty grim weekly turtle tab.
2: Being realistic, we are all about realism here on the eighty three eleven cast. So you you tell it like it is, which the Cyclone fan in front of me at the Skyhawk game did not like the fact that I was telling it like it is. I was called negative. I was like, when Iowa State had that third and twenty before it, I was like, don't have many plays in the playbook for third and twenty, and then Iowa State takes a sack. She turns around to me. He's like, Why are you talking like that? I'm like, Because nobody's got plays in the playbook for third and 20. Don't be she, a third and 20.
1: She was very negative the <laughs> no, whole game.
2: She, 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 I, I was realistic and she was not very happy about my reality. That That's the way it was. But, you know, I was being realistic and look, I was right. So,
1: well, I mean, it's true. You don't have many plays for third and 20. <laughs>
2: no, especially
1: nobody. with as bad as this offense has looked the first two games of the season.
2: Yeah. Third and 20 does not get uh, converted very often. We like realism. Um, And because rules are very real, that's one of the reasons why we talk about rules every week, because rules help define the game, help make it real. Without rules, the game couldn't happen. Um, We're going back to baseball down the home stretch. Kyle um, asked for this rule specifically. He wanted um, clarification on two things for the infield fly rule. First of all, a definition. If there has to be some sort of definition for the height of the ball, the height of the throw or anything like that. Oh, Sorry. Wow. I'm watching football as I'm doing this and somebody threw a pass. So then I said height of the throw, height of the hit, height of the batted ball and also whether or not you can review the infield fly rule. So For the infield fly rule, we are going to the Major League Rulebook, just in the Definition of Terms section, where it says an infield fly is a fair fly ball, not including a line drive or attempted bunt, which can be caught by an infielder with ordinary effort, where first and second or first, second, and third bases are occupied before two are out. The pitcher catcher, and any outfielder who stations themselves in the infield on the play shall be considered infielders for the purposes of this rule. So, and then the comment is, on the infield fly rule, the umpires to rule whether the ball could be ordinarily been handled by an infielder, not by any arbitrary limitations, such as the grass or the baselines or the height of the ball or anything like that. Even if the ball is caught by an outfielder, infield fly can still be called if in the ruling of the umpire it could have been caught by an infielder under a normal effort. So there you go. That is the definition of an infield fly rule. As far as whether or not it can be reviewable according to major league baseball. No, an infield fly rule is a judgment call of an umpire, right? It's not black and white, like fair and foul, right? Um, it is the judgment call of an umpire, whether it could be caught under ordinary effort So it is not subject to replay review. Whatever you call on the field is the call that is made. That's just the way it is. So there you go. Any other questions about infield fly, either of you two? No questions. Well, that's good because we've got a lot to unpack in our accountability session. Like I said previously, this would be a big accountability session with football season starting. A lot of predictions coming off the board, so I'm just going to jump right into it. Josh predicted that Aaron Rodgers would play for the Packers this season. I don't know if you really call what he did playing, but for the purposes of our prediction, we're going to call that correct. So for that, Josh could say ding 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 I predicted that 12 or more teams would have different starting quarterbacks um, this year from what they started in week one last year. That was true. There are actually 15 teams with different starting quarterbacks this season. And that was without any of those big name trades of Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers that we thought might happen. So for that, I get a ding, 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 ding. ding, ding, ding. I also predicted that Aaron Rodgers isn't going anywhere, which he didn't. He played for the Packers. So ding, 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 ding. ding, ding. Kyle, on the other hand, predicted that Rodgers would be traded to Denver, which he was not. So
0: Nah,
2: nah, Kyle predicted that the Browns would start 0 and 1, which they did with their loss to the Chiefs. So good on you, Kyle. Ding, ding ding ding. Ding ding ding. But you also predicted that Novak Djokovic would win the US Open, which he did not. He lost in straight sets in the final. So for that, you get a net. Nah. Nah. You also predicted that IC would beat Iowa by exactly three points. They lost. So net.
1: Nah. Nah. Nah.
2: I predicted the Cyclones would be undefeated against non-Big 12 opponents. Iowa is not in the Big 12, so man, nah. nah. I did take the under in the Sci-Heart game with 45 points. Um, before betting closed, the over-under dropped to 44, but when I made my prediction, it was at 45, and there were 44 points scored in the game. So I am correct taking the under. 44 is less than 45. Ding ding ding. Josh predicted that IC would beat Iowa by more than three, which they did not. So meh. Nah. And Wyatt predicted that Iowa State would not punt out of bounds against Iowa, which, despite not having a good punting day, they did avoid punting out of bounds. So for that, Wyatt gets a... ding. ding, ding. ding, ding. That is it. That is it for like dozen predictions coming off the board in our accountability session. We'll have a lot more that come off the board in like three weeks after baseball season's over too. So look for a lot of uh, accountability session action over the next three or four weeks. To start us off putting things back on the board, I am going to predict that the Vikings never this season take more penalties than they did in that week one game. As I mentioned earlier, that game was a disaster um, as far as penalty goes, especially in the first half. So I'm predicting they will not have more penalties.
1: Well, I mean, what was their total number of penalties?
2: Uh, in the end, it was 12 penalties for 116 yards. And that's just accepted penalties. And that's what my prediction is.
1: It's pretty hard to get 13 penalties in a game. Like, you, you really got to be trying. I like this for a triple. I was going to say double. Oh, really? You think it's like yeah. kind of a toss-up? I mean, it's pretty easy to get to 10 penalties in a game. It's just, do you get the extra three?
0: You said yourself that it's pretty hard to to get to thirteen, right?
2: Yeah. You so I feel obligated to clarify. I said they're not going to take more penalties. Not that they are. Oh. I feel like I need to clarify that, Wyatt, because uh they're
0: positive or something like that, right? Yeah. That's what I was going to
2: not say. take yeah. more penalties.
0: No, mm-hmm. I like that for a double then. My bad. My bad.
2: Okay. Cool. Glad we're on the same page now. Okay. That's why I made my surprised face when you gave me a triple. My bad. Oh,
1: okay. Mike's like, more penalties,
0: please. (laughs) Do you have anything from uh, Josh this week? Is he still alive?
2: Yep, he's still doing good. He survived a disappointing Packers and Cyclones weekend. Um, He's a little bit more optimistic on the Packers this week, predicting that Alan Lazard will get a TD in next week's game. Um, For the record, this week – um Lazard had um, two catches for 16 yards from Alan Lazard. So this is like triple a home run territory, I think. Which one do you guys think?
1: I I mean, I feel like naturally Aaron Rodgers is going to be throwing the ball a lot more and a lot better next week, which is why I think it's a triple. I'm kind but... of into this conspiracy theory that Aaron
0: Rodgers is simply playing for the Packers to intentionally uh, – which, for me, would make this a home run. <laughs> have you guys heard that conspiracy theory? Maybe we should have talked about that earlier.
2: I've, I've not heard about this conspiracy theory, no. I'm buying into it. I am not buying into it, though.
0: I am not either. We'll, we'll give that a triple, then.
2: Triple? All right. Triple it is. What do you got, Wyatt? I'm
0: going to say the Iowa State will get back into the top 10 um, in, in some poll or
1: ranking.
2: Um. Top ten. So again.
1: either the AP coaches or are that, we including USA Today?
2: That that is the coaches, Paul,
1: or the coaches. Sorry,
2: uh, including. Or, oh well, include. Playoff, yeah,
1: college football yes. playoffs. Yeah. Yep.
2: Um, I think that's a double. I mean, I think if they go win these next games that they're going to be favored in, teams ahead of them will lose and they'll keep back up. So I'm saying double for this. Kai, I agree. Yeah. Double. Double. What do you got, Kyle?
1: Uh I am saying that uh, even though the uh, Giants in their past 10 have been nine and one, and the Dodgers have slipped a tiny bit, that the Dodgers are in fact going to win the NL West and avoid that one game NL wild card.
2: Okay, um, according to 538, the Dodgers have a 37% chance to win the division. According to fan graphs, the Dodgers have a 43% chance to win the division. So this is single-double territory. Where do you want it, Wyatt? Single or double?
0: I don't know. Um, they, they, they've got to win, right? I think this should be a single. I mean, they don't have to win. I would
2: lean towards double. but really?
1: I would argue for a double. <laughs>
2: I could be talked out of it.
1: Giants are nine and one in their last 10.
2: It depends. Which rating system do you believe?
1: I believe 538.
2: Okay. Well, then Kyle. Well, yeah, of course, Kyle does because that's the one that makes it more like a double. Wyatt? I'll
0: give him a double. Because, right. because with a double, that's three doubles, and three doubles is triple doubles, and a triple means. Means that I got to say triple twice even though we had one triple up on the board. So with three doubles and a triple, that concludes our Write That Down prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 142 of the 8311cast. Make sure you tune in next week for episode 143 because we post episodes in sequential order. Signing off for the 8311cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersch,
2: Mike Ludwig,
0: and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you all again next week. Go
2: Cyclones. Go Cyclones.
0: Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.
1: Survive Las Vegas. <laughs>